अब आप सुन रहे हैं बॉक्स आउट एफ एम हर वक्त हर जगह नए जमाने का Welcome to a brand new episode of Fresh Out the Box. My name is Archish Shete. I'm a resident here at Box Out FM, and on this episode, I've got the chance to pick the brain of the very talented Nikunj Patel, aka Mobius. Uh, we're going to talk about a whole lot of things, but mainly we're going to chat about Mobius's upcoming debut LP, Memento, which is going to release everywhere on fourth Feb this Friday while the label Crunk Culture. So, hey Nikunj, how's it going? Hey Archit, all good. Just having a having a bit of a restful weekend. Yeah, we are close to the release date, right? We are. It's like a, this week itself. So, how are you feeling? Yeah, uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, still, a couple of uh, things to go to uh, go into like creating towards the release. So, kind of just gearing up to do that through the week and looking forward to seeing how the response and reaction will be. Of course. Perfect. I think a good way for me to start this interview is sort of uh, taking you back to where I first came across your work, which is I saw you on a, a TV show called Crunk Live Super Dry back in the day, where it was like an audio visual show where you did a sort of a visual installation piece for Nicholson. So I think the interesting thing is, you know, you are an animator, you are illustrator, you are a VJ, you run your own studio, Studio Mobius, and there are a lot of people in sort of the independent music culture who have their feet both in sort of the visual communication side and the music production side. But I think it's interesting to sort of ask you that how you know, given your multidisciplinary ba- uh, like background and your catalog of work how would you sort of define yourself as an artist at this point of your career uh right so i think uh, uh, overall well of course like overall both those uh, fields the audio uh, field and the visual field both fall under uh, the creative like under the creative fields i've tried for myself to create a bit of a distinction uh, you know between the two for myself so over the years it has so happened that my visual work is often the source of uh, my income and uh, yeah uh, and that's what provides sustenance and the music uh, aspect is more expression driven uh, you know it is it has been something that i have uh, uh, tried to not uh, currently delve into the commercial realm of that uh, and i think i've decided to keep that separate because uh, because i already uh, when it comes to visual work it already keeps me quite busy and i yeah. think like uh, you know it's a thread or a narrative that i'm following while i'm uh, building my uh, studio and uh, and there's a structured approach to my visual uh, work which fits very well in an industry uh setting or a commercial setting uh with my music however it's something that i uh, let run a bit more freely because uh, music is something that i also personally tend to explore a lot uh out of curiosity and out of more uh, kind of like a um a more exploratory uh you know intent yeah uh, it's something that brings me a lot of uh, like like i like indulging in the subcultures of music 
like reading about them uh, tracing you know like uh, tracing the birth of of genres styles etc so for me my music production is a way to basically actively engage with that curiosity that i have nice. you know and in turn of course like it does inform my visual uh, work because a lot of these subcultures a lot of these movements many eras uh, are supplemented by their own uh, visual art yeah. forms and uh, and often visual uh, art movements and music movements have been in sync in uh, at many points in time nice so that's how i get i think most of my inspiration i mean you spoke about sort of your visual contribution to a lot of music projects like people who might not know you were the guy behind the audio visual flesh to with the producer aqua dominatrix you did a music video for the producer songwriter sand dunes you have even done massive projects like music video for the weekend and iron maiden so uh talk to us specifically about your work, visual work in music and what do you think would be some of your best or stand out projects in sort of your catalog so far yeah uh so my visual work in music has always been something that's been like super close to me i my entire commercial or creative journey in a way started um with uh working on things like poster designs uh, logos for musicians um creating event communication and uh, and so on and then as uh, as time moved forward i started to ask myself how i could expand uh you know like basically i saw myself at a point in between the spectrum that uh, like the ends of the spectrum that are visual art and music yeah. and i felt that there were many places that one could be in between so once i found myself in between i started to try and expand uh like how i could basically uh explore this space between visual art and music in many different ways so uh interestingly one uh, of course the project that you just mentioned uh, the super dry crunk live uh, like installation that i did for nicholson yep. that is one of that is definitely one of my favorite projects in that sense uh, but apart from that also i think i've had a chance to uh kind of get involved in a lot of interesting projects in a lot of interesting ways one such project was a uh was kind of a art exhibit uh, come like gig kind of uh, a night a, a whole night of um people experiencing live music and live visual art and interactive art and so on uh that is something that i was involved in uh at this event called peta interchange that okay. uh, happened in uh, in colombo sri lanka uh, nice. for the uh, one the edition that i was a part of happened in 2014 um through through a border movement initiative uh, called the yep, border yep, movement yep. Video, video lab um so that's when um that's when i think i also start gaining perspective on how i could uh, combine visual art and music uh in in a spatial setting you know outside of a laptop screen or something like that uh so that is one of my like peta interchange that way was one of my most favorite uh like such collaborations because it was a spatial one and not necessarily limited to a screen uh a similar one that we did in the same venue along similar lines but in a different form and format 
later on into 2018 was an another event called subsequence okay which was also backed by uh, the goethe institute uh, of uh, the branch of the goethe institute in colombo uh, yeah. and that too was a like a multimedia interactive art kind of inst- um, art festival an art night rather i would say it was focused around one night of exhibits and live music um that is another one of my favorites um and apart from that i had worked on a small animated ident or piece for a record label that kind of uh i guess never saw the light of day at least hasn't okay. yet so far by the name of nomad records uh and oh, yeah. i had and i had created a small animated ident for that that to this day is one of my favorite pieces and even when i uh i created it in 2016 i think 16 or 17 but to this day when i show it to people or uh, or you know new people i meet or potential clients that's the piece that stands wow. out to most people still i'd love to see that yeah definitely i'll i'll link you to it yeah uh, I think when you know coming back to say your super dry sort of insulation one of the things that you mentioned in your interview is how you were taking loops out of the song and then sort of feeling your way through that loop and then sort of putting visuals to it so uh, you know the whole process of analyzing music and then doing visual to th- that music how do you think sort of that has influenced you as a producer today as a songwriter today because there's you're almost analyzing it for a emotion and then you're expressing it in a different form and while making music also it's a reverse thing where you have a emotion in place and then maybe you want to explore it through your music so how has your visual work in general influenced you as a producer and a songwriter yeah um so yes definitely i mean it it plays a huge part for sure uh, i think when i sit down to write music at first uh it will start the maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes of it will start as an exploration you know um trying to find an interesting sounds to work with or interesting sounds that could be combined but the second that i find even one combination that seems to echo for me or work for me instantly it gets attached to some kind of a visual yeah uh which is either a scene like maybe it's a scenery maybe it's a portrait of somebody uh maybe it reminds me of a specific incident uh so for me it gets attached to a visual yeah. and uh and then uh the rest of the arrangement of the piece is kind of a, a way for me to try and uh like kind of travel within that space a little bit um so it's definitely my music is very visual led in that sense yeah. like i do very much visualize it and that's why sometimes i use also a lot of uh samples and so on that uh, are like uh, maybe in the foley natural foley organic space at times uh because it uh, sometimes it evokes certain spaces or uh, certain settings for me nice yeah uh talking about now finally coming to your music like you've been producing like putting out singles for like five years you've been mentioned across various Im- publications here in india and internationally you're also part of the producer collective called jwala you've also played uh, live shows and dj sets a bunch of times so 
how do you think your production and your songwriting process has evolved over the years especially leading up to the debut lp memento yeah um so interestingly yeah, like uh, apart from my work in the music space also like what does happen is i think people who dedicatedly try and work to be musicians sometimes it can be hard for them to get access to certain spaces like um, maybe like it takes time for a musician to perform at a music festival and yeah. then to uh, experience uh the festival from that side of the fence you yeah. know and not the audience side or it might take uh, a musician some time to um gain a certain amount of publicity before they start to understand how public opinion is affecting their work sometimes and you know how they feel about themselves so for me interestingly i've gone through that journey through my visual work okay. you know uh like a lot of my visual work has uh, brought me backstage on a lot of festivals yep, yep, yep. uh it has gotten me in close contact uh with musicians in rooms where they create the music make yep, the yep. you know make the magic happen so as to say so i've had a chance i feel to observe a lot of like creation and a lot of like decisions being made in the music space and uh and i've got had a chance fortunately to witness it up close but not as a threat as someone who's going to steal an idea <laughs> or someone you know because that's not like what i'm there for yeah, i'm there not. to see how i can add to the mix you know so uh interestingly i feel that having observed so many of these happenings and so on has has got me to develop a certain kind of like uh i guess a taste for myself you know uh there are certain things that i'm curious about exploring and i wonder uh sometimes when i'm listening to music how this one a uh, piece of music that i really enjoyed and that other piece of music that seemed on a different vein that i really enjoyed yeah. what if i could merge those two feelings or emotions together into nice. one thing of its own yep. you know or uh, for example if i had a really uh like memorable night for example at a music festival or or at a live event or something like that a lot of times when uh, inspiration comes from those settings also like seeing a really uh, having a really epic moment at yeah uh, festival how could i maybe try and uh, capture that in a piece of uh, music you know yep. so a lot of times that way my music is not uh, does not end up falling straight into a dance music category sure. but there are many very heavy dance and in music influences in it like very obviously you yep. know it's not hidden or anything yeah interesting uh so you know as we mentioned the start of the interview mobius is dropping his wlp memento where crunk culture is releasing everywhere on 4th feb it's a nine track album so tell us about memento and sort of its overarching themes and what was the journey like writing this particular album uh so memento that way it uh, it kind of to be honest it kind of came together in retrospect um uh, like i used to have a habit of uh you know making something and uh, and in within the next 3 4 days try and push it out you okay. know okay uh so like my music process that way was a kind of like it was like a sketching process but i would try to Interesting. Uh, show these sketches to the world you know nice, nice. uh so i would 
uh, work quite quickly maybe in a week or so i'd have a track and then i would uh, put it out i would feel it for a while and then if it felt right i would put it out and move on uh, but i think uh, one day after a long break i got back to it and then i got back to music production after working on uh, a lot of commercial like animation projects and um, i once i got back i felt that i had some kind of like a slightly newer perspective to it you know having taken a break yeah and uh, i found a certain kind of point of view or style emerging uh, between a few experiments that i did during that time and so i felt that for a change what i would do is i would try and maybe uh, give these pieces some time mm. you know some breathing room and uh, have another go at it maybe a little later try to better it uh, with a second pass and yep. so on so um, i basically decided to give these projects time and in that time what what also happened is i uh, while i was finishing some of these up you know new ideas and new inspirations gave rise to newer music uh, and finally i uh, at a point i had a cut off that i think everything beyond this is something maybe i'll think about later right yeah. now all this all these pieces i have so far uh, i think i want to try and find a way to stitch them together yep so uh, that's how memento developed and it developed during lockdown yep. so uh, it was during that time while i was creating this i was not actually actively going to gigs or events because it didn't exist yeah. during that time so that's why all of this was actually heavily memory driven you know interesting uh it was all like a lot of it was inspired by memories of parties of gigs of um specific moments or celebratory moments in uh from uh like from the past um and all of them very heavily like uh, carry a very strong so every track has a very strong association in my mind yeah I think uh you know as we go deeper into the album and talking about the album I think it's only fair that we give a taste of uh the album to people who might have not heard the singles yet so here's the first single from the album Zaria featuring producers Indus and Headrun enjoy
uh, welcome back to the show. You just heard Zaria by Mobius featuring Indus and Headrun. Um, so Nikunj, tell us about this track in specific and what was it like working with your the two producer collaborators and what is the theme of this track in general? Um, so Zaria, uh, this was also born out of... Uh, so one thing I think like I wanted to... I should have maybe mentioned earlier, but it's fine if I mention now also, is that as an artist, basically, I think you'd ask me, you know, where I perhaps place myself between in this audio-visual realm. Yeah. So one th- one key aspect of things that really excites me is like, uh, you know, the action that happens basically at the intersections of media, basically. Yep. Like, uh, so I don't necessarily lean towards pure graphic design, pure fine art, pure animation, but uh, rather I'm interested in the points where these things meet. So I think that like phrase action at the intersections is like something that really uh, speaks to me. Uh, So I think with Zaria, initially it was me and Hedron that uh, sat down in a room together and, uh, and I had told him to come meet me with the intent that we were going to make something together, you know, because yeah. often there are jams and things with no intent in mind and that's fun too. <laughs> but in this case, uh, we wanted to come there, leave with an idea. And so, um, so we met for about two, three hours. We just went through a whole bunch of uh, programming, creating, me showing him how I create my beats, him showing me how he sometimes generates his instruments or sounds uh, through yeah. uh, through interesting like ways of uh, hooking up instruments and plugins you know he'll create drone sounds and so on so uh, in the process of us showing each other our techniques like we found we started finding like a point where the two started syncing and mm-hmm. uh, and which was this blend of uh, like a very light skippy uh, like beat but at the same time with very lush like heavy like very Indian sounding instruments you know very Hindustani sounding yeah. instruments uh, and so we took the two together and I created a rough uh, like arrangement uh, I then uh, shot over this structure arrangement to Ishan Indus who I knew from college he uh, used to uh, sing a lot of uh, classical uh, like he did a lot of classical vocal performances in while we were in college and I uh, yeah. felt that his voice would sit very well with the theme that was developing you know and mm-hmm. I didn't know many people personally who could achieve that kind of a quality and he's someone who sits between like a very classical aesthetic but also uh, his tastes in music like he does listen to a lot of modern music so I felt that uh, his approach would sit quite well on this track yep so that's how it all came together in layers so could you sort of dive into the theme of the song particularly so um it started off as like we wanted to create something slightly dreamy you know slightly dreamy and melancholic uh and so we we knew that we didn't want like uh, necessarily a hook or something like that we wanted to be a slightly flowy track, uh, which is the way that uh, like Hedran Palash also often works. It's more like 
progressive and feeling out how the track might evolve. Um, so uh, we did want to keep it um, kind of ambient, melancholic, exp- like uh, very sp- spacious, and uh, and that's when I think we had managed to capture that emotion when Ishan came in and kind of fed off of that and yep. uh, wrote a small verse. Uh, and once he wrote it somehow you know it didn't matter to me like uh, in a way how he was going to execute it almost because Mm -hmm. like the words made a lot of sense uh, with the mood so um, so yeah I think like we all just tapped into a slightly intentionally a slightly fragile part of ourselves you know Uh, and we were okay making this kind of like uh, track that is so obviously different from every other on the album and uh, yeah, I think like it came from the point of all three of us wanting to make something kind of different from what we normally create. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, talking about collaborators beyond just Indus and Hedron, you've also collaborated with collaborated on this album on a visual side as well. You've also collaborated on the mix with Noni Mouse. Uh, you've also uh, of another track, the second single, which we'll be playing soon called Water Down with a uh, singer-songwriter producer, Yuhina. So tell us about your other collaborations and how they fit into not only the album, but also uh, the themes of the album. Yeah. Uh, so all, all of these all of the people that have collaborated with me on this have at some point basically been a very active part of my music journey and me being here. Uh, all of them have at some point it contributed to the, my musical you know, explorations or they've encouraged me to be better and go and you know, to keep at it. Um, so like while as I started to realize that a lot of this music was, you know, heavily like nostalgia driven, I was like, I just think it per- makes perfect sense to involve people who have played a part in that nostalgia. Yeah. You know? uh, so, um, so the like the uh, logo type essentially that's that's been created for my artist Monica uh, has been created by uh, designer the graphic designer and artist Sanchit Savarya. He himself is a musician and we started our production journey together, in fact. Like, uh, yeah. so, um, so it kind of felt like a full circle coming back, you know, and obviously it's probably just the start. I would love to try and work with him again in a different capacity in the future. With Nani Maus, uh, she has been someone who I've had the chance to observe very closely in how she works and uh, her approach towards music and you know like also uh, like her technical like her technical skill sets very sound uh, so she's someone I felt very I think like safe trusting uh, like with my I felt safe trusting her with my music that it wouldn't uh, receive judgment but rather it would receive a mm-hmm. you know boost like how how we could yeah. polish it better how we could uh, take it to the next level in terms of technique uh, in terms of quality uh so i think that safe having that safe space made a big difference uh and with yuhina as well uh, she's someone who i first uh, ever like met about 10 years ago but we uh, soon after and uh, meeting and realizing that we were both into music we collaborated on something 
about nine years ago as well. And I think ever since then, I knew that at some point this would come back to something, you know. And uh, likewise, there are a lot of other people that obviously I have not been able to involve on this album, but doing this activity has really inspired me to try and uh, kind of pool in all the people in my life who have been a part of this side of my art and try to yeah. kind of like uh, try to explore something with them. Nice. Uh, so I think it's only fair that we listen to the second single, which is Water Down featuring Yuina. So here it is.
Welcome back to Fresh Out The Box with Mobius. Uh, we just heard uh, the second single from his upcoming LP on Crunk Culture called Water Down. The album's out everywhere on 4th Feb. Uh, I personally, one of my favorite tracks of the album, just because uh, I think it's so accessible uh, and it's such a catchy tune. And Yuina also did a great uh, job writing the melodies and uh, her performance. You've captured it well with your production. I see a lot of influence of like a UKG sort of a beat uh, in this track. I In the previous singles, Aria, it was very atmospheric. It was very lush with a Hindustani sort of influence. Uh, you mentioned somewhere how because uh, music isn't your uh, primary source of say income you have a sense of freedom while creating it so sonically speaking uh, while this is obviously an unfair question to any producer or musician but how do you how would you place these songs and these batch of songs sonically uh, uh, and I mean if you had to define the sound and style of this album what would it be uh, so I think I would classify obviously it under the more generic uh, electronica kind of uh, you know tag uh, yeah. but uh, of course there is uh, there was an active UKG influence because that's something I was listening to a lot during that time yeah. it was speaking to me a lot also because um, I started getting getting into the history of the garage scene and how it has later gone on in many ways garage and drum and bass and so on have all gone on to inspire so many other forms of like music uh, that we listen to uh, even today you know and uh, and garage itself it like it was a it was very much a movement and not just like uh, like a new style of music that emerged it it came with its own culture it came with its own uh, kind of like place in time uh, how I understood it was that I felt uh, was through my you know research and reading up and looking at documentaries was that there was a point in the UK music scene which where it had become a very aggressive music culture. Yeah, a lot of uh, lot of drugs, lot of like violence, lot of uh, uh, very aggressive sounds also and. Uh, I think what had also apparently started happening is like it had started to become uh, a less lesser and lesser of a safe space for women, you know, and mm. it was very male dominated, like highly male dominated uh, audience, basically listening to a lot of aggressive stuff. Uh, and apparently at that point, like house music and garage music kind of came in to provide an alternative kind of space, you know, something a little yeah. lighter, a little more accessible, uh, a little uh, a little more inclusive. And so it, it very quickly became, uh, um, it very quickly became kind of like an alternative kind of night. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and, and it presented itself at first as something called the Sunday scene. So where um, like once people were already tired from partying on Fridays and Saturdays but didn't want to completely <laughs> just shut off on Sunday would go to a light UK garage kind of like uh, party keep nice. it light keep it easy have a wind down and soon the Sunday scene started becoming so popular and so well attended that quickly it moved onto the more mainstream nights you know it was then garage was being programmed on Fridays on Saturdays and 
became a whole movement in itself. Uh, but that movement again, as it started turning into grime, uh, carriage was almost kind of like consciously shut off by the community or the creators, saying that okay, now it's getting out of hand. We need to shut this down. You know, things are getting yeah. aggressive and violent and non-inclusive all again, all over again. So, uh, in in a sense, the culture was shut down. But uh, you know, a lot of the a uh, lot of the styles, a lot of the concepts, a lot of the intent from the music, uh, wanting to spread like a, a positive light energy. You know, uh, something to easily tap into, and all of that still continues. I still feel that we need that in our music community, in our music scene. We still need to have those spaces, and so I felt that uh, me exploring this new style of music was me trying to tap into all of that a little bit, you know. I don't yeah. take the responsibility of being necessarily like the savior <laughs> of a music scene, but uh, but I think for me, uh, I was trying to make the things that maybe I want to listen to. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I mean, that's a very interesting sort of a context that you said for not only your sound, but for the genre and the culture in general. Uh, you know, we spoke of uh, air about your uh, uh, project that you're working on around mental health so it's not only clear that you have a, a conscious sense of the positive and the negative effects of art and culture in general so uh, how do you think we uh, an artist uh, as an individual or maybe as a part of a community be it a visual artist or a musician can sort of uh, use his uh, his or her talent to sort of affect the culture in some way I mean it's a very loaded question but I just found it interesting that you were conscious of the history behind UKG to sort of uh, have a have it be a conscious influence in your sound itself so how do you think as an artist uh, one can navigate through the social norms and stuff so I think um, for example uh, it, it's I think it's through narratives you know like music uh, kind of like is definitely a source of identity for a lot of people um, and you see a lot of like also audience and listenership uh, defined by that kind of identity like you will have like the EDM gang you will have mm -hmm. the rock like kind of gang you may have a singer songwriter group and, and like all these happen because of identity like people identify themselves with a certain style and a certain kind of expression and move in those directions so i feel that uh, for like the first and foremost thing is maybe for an artist to try and understand where they place themselves uh, they don't have to define themselves with a tag but uh, yeah. kind of visualize you know where in this spider web of like all of these things happening do they they might they stand you know in between yeah. uh, what and what and I feel like once they understand their own identity identity, they can try and start extending uh, the parts of it that they think will matter to society you know outwards like for example uh, like I would say I mean the biggest example in my head of this is like the American like hip hop community you know yeah. how uh, hip hop birthed a culture and a revolution and uh, yeah. it's like it had there's so many aspects to it that have become a part of lifestyle and not like yeah. just music anymore so I feel that um, 
that is because like uh, at some point these artists found a way to be so true to themselves and their identity that they extended it to an unapologetic like culture to be proud of so yeah. i feel that eventually maybe something like that is something that can happen with an artist you know but uh, but i think first step is to try and find like a sense of that identity and to try and be very authentic to it yeah. sure i mean uh just to add to upon not just hip hop just african american music historically has yeah. been such yeah. a potent force of cultural change Definitely. i mean ever ever since like jazz to rock to soul music uh, it's been a constant uh, sort of institution of giving a message as well as uh, making an artistic statement so that's pretty interesting that uh, you are conscious of that uh coming back to sort of a lighter subject maybe you know you have been part of crunk cultures the, uh, the labels visual communication ever since the start so uh, obviously uh, we as a label and the audience in general were very excited about your artwork so tell me about the artwork and sort of maybe some inside info that you can give behind the artwork and the make uh, and its so making sure um so i think uh, what happens is with my visual work uh i think i think of myself as less of an artist when i'm doing that and more <laughs> as a designer you know a problem solver essentially yeah. so clients come to me with things they need solved and uh, i partner with them to try and figure out how i can do that whether it be packaging or whether it be an event or whether it be like uh, a logo or some short animated film whatever it may be yeah um so uh i like when it comes to uh my music i tried to i i thought that maybe i could use that as a space to not do that you know what i that i do in visual art like not basically respond yeah. to a client but try and be a little autonomous uh so what what i find that when you're being a designer it's less uh about your own ego it's more about the problem you're solving but yep, yep, uh, yep. when you're making art it does uh, you know as much as artists want to be selfless it comes from a place of ego like you of think course. it's good and that's why you're making it and you're putting it's it out it's almost like know? a prerequisite for the creator to like it first and only then yes. they can push it out exactly so um so i felt that i had been uh, for the most part uh, you know hiding behind my work when it came to the visual side of my work yeah and uh, i would often let my work speak for myself rather than put myself in front of it and speak with it uh, so i think with my music i decided to go down like the portrait route because uh, i thought that that was a interesting midpoint between uh, like a photographic representation and uh and my artistic practice yeah. uh but it's a way to basically put a little bit more like of myself out there in a slightly uh like slightly more upfront fashion and i think slowly it's a ramp that will lead me to start doing more of that you know i think uh, it's a way to ease into uh expressing in all forms rather than just yeah. through the production process uh and i think it can give become a space for me later to uh explore uh expression rather than 
just see of it as album art or music or you know eventually i sure. hope to coalesce all of these things yeah sure i mean sort of jumping off that point of like art at intersection of combining music and sort of the visuals i mean we have spoken about it before uh, i at least as a fan would or have a certain expectation when it comes to say all live show there so just talk, talking about that that you know people have seen you as a visual uh, sort of artist first and now that you're putting out music uh, did you ever feel any kind of pressure when it came to sort of making that album art or making sort of the visualizers around it or even uh, and as a uh, add on question is that is there a mobius memento special show that is not currently may not be in the making but uh, you want to take that off uh, as a special showcase some somewhere down the line uh yes so there definitely you know of course like uh, putting music and kind of like visual art side by side is something that i tend to do a lot and so naturally there was an expectation i feel that uh, that the two would constantly meet or keep merging and uh, and i think i have uh, currently like i'm at a stage where i've explored that more through the packaging of you know the digital packaging of the album and so yeah. on uh, it is something that i am keen to explore in a live format also but i'm yet uh, to try and figure out how uh, because uh when i approach my visuals it's something that i do very uh, it's something that is a very hands on process uh i usually uh both my hands are occupied in trying to uh control the output and uh, yeah. and it's the same with when i do a live set with uh, music i try to keep my hands busy and you know try and do as many things as i can so currently i think the two are fighting for space with each other uh, so i'm trying to understand how i can uh, balance the two out a little bit uh, with just the right mix of both will uh, you know will lead to a show but that is something that i'm i mean it's only the natural progression you know for what i'm doing so it's definitely going to happen at some point i think i'm just trying to uh, find that balance interesting i think everyone's looking forward to it somewhere down the line and as i mentioned the expectations are pretty high so <laughs> just be aware <laughs> uh, yes, yes, of sort of uh sort of you know we are coming to the end of the interview sort of wrapping it up uh how would you want a listener to sort of experience memento and what do you think uh sonically or just experientially people can take uh, away from the album especially because it's such a direct theme of memories and nostalgia so do you have any thoughts on that uh yeah so i uh, kind of um have i did not write this album with the intent of it being for a specific target audience you know sure. i kind of uh, one thing i did want to do is try and include at least a couple of uh, pieces of music there that even uh, people who are not necessarily active electronic music listeners could also enjoy you know have a yeah. little something for everyone so uh, i think i've tried to uh, incorporate a lot of uh, that way like uh, different uh, soundscapes or you know like morsels for a lot of different kind of uh, listeners um uh, and like i'm hoping that uh, there's at least 
for every kind of listener, there's at least one track uh, that will stand out. And I did conduct a kind of like an experiment <laughs> where I sent it to a lot of people and asked them to create a list based on, uh, you know, their preferences. Okay. Uh, like what they, which track they like the most uh, and so on. Give me their top three, top five, something like that. And uh, it started noticing certain patterns emerging and it kind of gave me uh, a certain confidence that, yeah, what I think I had aimed to do, it was happening, you know, a certain kind of, a certain kind of people with, uh, uh, I think people who weren't necessarily active music listeners yeah. uh, were mostly driven towards Zarya and Waterdown because of yeah, the yeah, vocals yeah. and uh, or the mood very heavily. Whereas uh, the people who did listen to electronic music or were already into Garage, Jungle, all of those sta- uh, gravitated towards a few other tracks a lot more. Yep. And sure. uh, so I did feel on the that. As well. Yeah, I guess there are a couple that, uh, you know, I think um, producers and music heads would be into like. Uh, so. I I do feel like uh, each track could be its own context, you know. Yeah. Uh, like I think I I have a track Cabana, which could be which can totally be like a '80s cheesy pool party yeah. kind of track, you know. But at the same time, uh, there's a jungle track on there, which uh, which could be uh, like either a headphone track or in the right context, a dance floor track. Which one are you talking about for the audience as well? Uh, that, yeah, that one is called Nomads, uh, yeah. and um, and similarly, there's also like a, a the closing track Oh Hi. That's uh, something that's a little bit more of a uh, positive, sweet kind of track that definitely isn't a dance floor track. You know, it's something yeah. like a quirky headphone listening uh, kind of uh, kind of track. So I I feel that. Um, there is like there's no one way for people to enjoy uh, necessarily this album but i think what i would say is to try and uh, try and think whenever you are listening to any of this music for them to try and imagine uh, a memory of from their life that maybe this track is evoking for them and to try and tap into that feeling yeah uh, since that is something that i've tried to do i feel that there must be you know there are definitely listeners out there who have felt a lot of those similar things, but in different settings. So I think the point would yeah. uh, would be for them to use this as a portal to try and tap into those uh, feelings. Yeah. Interesting. I think I definitely think it uh, takes you a lot of places. And uh, but sonically also, I think the themes of nostalgia uh, and you know the sounds are recreated from a reference that people will be familiar to. Uh, I mean. Uh, and I think that's also the beauty and the entertaining part of the album as well. It's not trying to make a statement that I'm the most, uh, like, you haven't heard this sound ever. And that's why you need to respect that shit. So I don't, I think that's way more accessible and enjoyable for every kind of audience. Uh, sort of to, you know, finally wrap up the interview with the last question I think because you are such a multidisciplinary artist what kind of advice would you want to give to any budding visual artist or a musician or just a general advice of uh, going taking up this creative uh, sort of profession and this creative life and how to go about it uh, I would say that uh, 
uh, I would say it's definitely like this is a field that there is no rule book to you know there's yeah. no one right way to do things and um, so I think firstly it's very important to uh, kind of accept that you know sometimes it yeah. can lead to a lot of anxiety also that there's no one road or one route to follow and it can feel like a big task trying to create a name for yourself or to create a career out of it but uh, but I would say that try and look for um, you know try and address whatever it is that you are currently basically uh, your current problem is while trying to face or while trying to yeah. approach this field like if it's skill you know make an effort to be better if it's uh, finance yep, 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 yep. make an effort to learn about uh, how your industry works and who gives who gives money for and for what you know yep, uh, yep. try and learn the importance of value like how does uh, how is work valued you know what how is creative how does creative work add uh, monetary value to uh, to the world to your clients what it means to them uh, and try and get a bigger sense a bigger picture sense of you know what you're doing and where you stand yes. in this creative world because I think uh, uh, like sometimes artists do get stuck thinking that I have all this skill and I have all this talent and like the, why does it feel like nobody wants it you know <laughs> actually that's not true like uh, there is a lot of demand for creative work uh, yeah. but I think a lot of it uh, also involves understanding like your role in uh, in that work you know so I think it's important to be really flexible uh, to have a vision but uh, to be kind of flexible about uh, how you find yourself fitting into situations uh, yeah. you know like uh, not everything will go according to plan and not everything will go your way but uh, by being flexible you will try and find a way to bend every situation towards like a little bit of an advantage for yourselves as well and sure. uh, and you have to use every opportunity to uh, to basically get better to get to make sure people are seeing your work uh, to talking about uh, what you're working on next to show people to showing people that you have grown and you continue continuing to grow I think these are like the things that uh, a creative person should be driven by and focused on rather than uh, like I don't know num necessarily numbers and figures and virality and you know those things uh, like they they offer often a good measure of success temporarily but uh, yep. the thing is they're, it's very short lived uh, and often what happens is, is if you keep chasing that uh, the thing is what people are responding to will change with time and you will find that you are constantly chasing that rather mm -hmm. than necessarily leading it you know interesting yeah. all right nikunj thank you so much for taking out time for this interview i hope you had fun uh yeah so that's it uh you just heard fresh out the box uh we just interviewed 
uh, Nikunj Patel, aka Mobius. Make sure you not only check out the two singles that he has dropped, Zaria and Water Down, but also the album which is dropping next uh, coming week on 4th Feb via Crank Culture. Make sure you follow Nikunj on his personal music profile at Mobius underscore in and on his visual professional uh, profile, uh, profile at Studio Mobius. Make sure you check out the label releases uh, via Crunk Culture on at Crunk Culture. Uh, we are going to play some songs from the album just to close out the interview. I hope you guys had fun. My name is Archer Chete and this was Fresh Out The Box. Thank you. <laughs>